Welcome everybody. Today we have a guest that was born in communist Poland. Then he moved back to the U.S. in the 90s. He has had over 1,500 blogs running Google Ads. He launched over 5,000 books. Yes, 5,000 books. And he did a documentary. And he was also number one hip-hop artist in Poland. And he had four other songs on the top charts. Ladies and gentlemen, with us today, Tom Libelt. How, how are you, Tom? <laughs> I'm doing good, Quinn. Yeah, Tom. man, I, I like that intro, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> like running through my life again, you know? You know what? Yeah, you, you like the intro, and uh, I guess uh, I love it. Just uh, we'll get into this in a bit, 5,000 books. Before we get into that, did I pronounce your last name right? Uh, Liebelt, but you went super close, so okay. no offense. Le <laughs> I, I knew the Tom part, right? <laughs> Tom, before we get into this, so 5,000 books, and they were all self-published, I'm guessing? Yeah, yeah, self-published. Yeah. yeah, yeah, over 5,000. 1,500 blogs running Google AdSense. And uh, yeah, man. I guess we'll, we'll touch into that in a bit for, for the people that are listening that don't know AdSense is the advertising that Google puts on people's websites or blogs, and they give you a percentage of the, the ad revenue from that. So I also know something else about your life, that at the age of seven, <laughs> you were smuggling liquor into the country. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, was, it wasn't completely my idea, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I was definitely a, a part of it. You know, it, it it teaches you things about life at a young age. You know, when you <laughs> yeah. when you have to do things like that. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, so you would hide in the in the back of the car, and if you guys got pulled over, you would just start yelling and screaming as the. Yeah. So so the whole plan was like, um, be between the trunk and the back seat, right? That's where the liquor was was in, and I would sleep on the back seat. So if they pulled us over, I would just wake up super cranky, you know, wake up and, <laughs> and start making a riot, you know? And even though they would still pull me out and check, that enough was enough of a distraction where sometimes they would not, you know, cause they would like hit the back seat to see if there is anything in there, mm -hmm. you know? And, and the times I remember, they never found anything. <laughs> Very good. So. You were number one hip hop artist in Poland for you had one song on the top number one for over a year and four others on the top chart as well. Is that something you still do today? No, I don't do it today. But when I was doing the hip hop, I was living in New York, you know, and in New York and Chicago, I think combined, there was about 2.5 to 3 million Polish people at the time living in these cities. Right. Yeah. So we actually made the music out of New York. Um, it went on the radios in the, in that community, um, and the Polish TV and, and stations came out to meet with us, and they filmed a documentary on us, and they you know they showed us back in Poland, and for about two months it was like the number one watched show. They would they would do, they would do reruns in Poland, right? Like all my family, everyone see it. My friends from school, they were like, "Holy shit!" You know, because it was this one thing. We had these this group in New York that's just killing it. You know what I mean? So it, it was it was interesting. Yeah, it was it was a fun experience. But yeah, we were knocking out people from the charts. It was crazy. 
like we had, I think at one point, yeah, we had like three or four um, in the top 10, but two or three in the top five, you know, which wow. is insane. And one track was there for a year. Wow. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> it was, um, but to now, uh, I still have some friends that, that, you know, mess with the hip hop thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I think the, the last verse I put out just for one of my friends was a year ago. Um, but yeah, not, not as much time in it, in it. You know, I can do it. You know, if someone yeah. puts a beat on and like, and I'm into it, you know, the right atmosphere, like, yeah, okay, we can, we can make it happen. But, you know, <laughs> you know I, I'm a little rusty. I admit, I'm rusty. Very good. Did, did you do it in uh, Polish and English or just Polish? It was just Polish. Um, I, I never wanted to become famous in the States, you know, because okay. I've, I've worked with the famous artists back then in, um, in the studios in New York, and I've seen what that does. Mm-hmm. But I thought, look, in Poland, I can be super famous and still be a nobody everywhere else in the world. The danger with being famous in America, you're famous everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, you're just famous now. Um, I wanted to have that semi-fame, you know, where I can be famous in one place and then not known at all. Like I can go to my, you know, 7-Eleven, whatever, and be like, yeah, yeah, just me. Nobody, you know, I can do whatever I want. No one knows me. So, yeah, I kind of thought that through before I started it. And, and yeah, I, I actually didn't want the, the fame in the States and still don't in any way. Yeah, and uh, you did know exactly what it was because you, you got an internship at Yeah, unique recording studios in New York, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So we worked with a lot of big artists, you know, and then I, I became an engineer and, I, and I've just seen it, you know. I've, I've, uh, I've done concerts before where I organized them and, and you know, brought people in. And I just, I just seen the, the fame part, man. It's mm-hmm. not fun, you know. And, it, and for me in New York especially, um, you know, because I was a bit famous in my neighborhood, you know, which is okay. But what that brings brought most than anything is just pats on the back you know like hey, you're great you're doing a good job and i'm like yeah that's fine but where's the money at yeah, you know yeah. the, the the money doesn't always correlate with fame you know and that's you know it's, it's it's a strange phenomenon this whole fame thing right like even now um when i meet a lot of business people coming up you know trying to come up they're they're building influence you know before having anything to sell and i find that to be dumb And I'm like, well, what is the point? You know, why are you trying to get 500 followers if you're not making any money with it? And like, oh, at one point I'll make money. I'm like, that's such a wrong way to go about business. You know what I mean? I think you yeah. kind of get that, get that point. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it, I, I feel the same way. It's kind of a waste of your time trying to create some sort of influence If you have nothing to influence your audience with or nothing to, you don't have a product, digital or a physical product, yeah, I don't know. No, that's, that's what it is, man. You know, another thing which I really don't like, and I think you would appreciate this too, um, I don't like this new movement about authenticity, you know? Like they're just saying, be authentic, be authentic. I think that's also dumb. And I'll tell you why. Imagine if you're going to a surgeon, right? And they just opened you up on the table, you know, and, and they're fixing you up. And all of a sudden the, the surgeon's like, oh, you know, my authentic self now needs a break and I need to go meditate. <laughs> you know, and you're just like, what the fuck? Like, just fix me, man. You know, so we don't want authentic people. We want professionals, you know? So, mm-hmm. so think about being a professional and authentic, you know, just whatever that dude, being authentic just means having a personality. All right. So yeah, don't be fake. Fine. But that's, that should not be your focus. If that's your focus, go see a psychiatrist, you know? But in the business world, be a professional, 
you know that's so i feel like these you know these buzzwords and things that we're hit with sometimes it's like dude missing the boat completely missing the boat this is not how you become successful that's a very interesting point i actually feel that the fact that somebody is saying do you need to be authentic somebody's going to go out of their way trying to look for something to make them authentic when in reality it's doing the opposite it's make turning them into a fake because you know they're not being who they really are yeah it's searching that authenticity right yeah yeah i mean if you want to be something be polarizing you know that's a little more fun you know they'll get you an audience they'll definitely make some sales for you but authentic i don't know i just you know a lot of these movements just just you know i feel like another one is like you know that you have to be liked you know people need to like you trust you and whatever to buy from you no they don't they need to trust you and respect you that's it they don't need to like you yeah and no the liking yeah (laughs) no love and trust right it's no love and trust yeah yeah, but but the the like thing, I'm like, well, since when? You know, they that's that's like a side effect of it. You know, but they don't need to like you. If someone is buying a service or a product, I'm buying it because there's value and there's an exchange of emotion there, and there's a you know, it's gonna do something for me. It's gonna transform my life in some way. I don't need to like the salesperson. You know, how many stores have I bought from where I could care less about who was selling it? But as long as they didn't show me any red flags, which means, you know, I trusted the brand, um, they were sort of respectable, you know, yeah. uh, I'm fine. I bought it. That's it. But like has nothing to do with it. Let's move over to Atlanta. You, okay. Atlanta was before or after um, New York? It was after New York. After yeah. New York. And you bought a coffee shop there. In I Scotland. did. So, I did, and, I, and I don't drink coffee, man. You don't, I don't drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know that wasn't a good business. For it wasn't. Me. <laughs> so that ended, that ended pretty click, quickly because of that reason? Uh, yeah, I, w- I just had zero interest, man. Like I, I, I knew I wanted to do something, um, so I bought it. But yeah, you know, when you have zero interest in what you're doing, and I also had a very crappy partnership. You know, I just, you know, the person I, I was running it with just, you know, had no business sense whatsoever, and I just I killed it. I killed the idea, and I moved on. Yes, yeah. You know, I told you that uh, we we had a very similar uh, things in life, <laughs> and one of them was that I I yeah. owned, I had a coffee shop too. I ran it myself, and my interest was not the coffee shop. It was well, I, I wanted to make a bunch of money. And every time I closed at the end of the night, all the money would go in my pocket and I would go to the club and spend it all. And that's what I cared for was the club life at the time. No coffee shop. And yeah, it, ended up, it didn't do good anyway. Yeah. Well, and besides that, you know, the other similarity, your first computer was the Commodore 64 where you had to put a cassette tape in the yes. games. Yeah, man. Mine was the Spectrum, the Sinclair. Sinclair. I remember that too. My friend had it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you put the cassette in and you would have to play for five minutes, ten minutes, beeping sounds. Beep. <laughs> yep, that's it, man. Like yeah. I actually had a cartridge that you would put in the back of the Commodore and it would show lines, right? Mm-hmm. And if you played the tape, the lines were super blurry, so you had to take a screwdriver. Listen, guys, you took a <laughs> screwdriver to your computer, right? And then you had to move this little screw around to get the get the, those lines to be thinner. And that's when you knew that 90% of the time this would load. <laughs> you know what I mean? Was, oh man, those days, man. 
And you would have to connect it. I'm guessing at the time, I don't know, a 30-inch TV was probably huge. So you would have to connect that to the TV. Oh, and yeah. you would see, you would enter a command, load uh, front, I, I don't know, something, something, enter. And then it would load. And at the, sometimes at the end, it would be like, okay, loading error. Then <laughs> a couple years ago, well, maybe more than a couple, like eight or nine, um, I got an emulator, right, for the Commodore 64. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I remember one of my favorite games when I was little. I don't remember what it is now, but, you know, I, I found it. And I tried to load it through the emulator. I was like, how did I do this, man? Like, I'm typing all these things. And like, what do you were right, man. Like, we had to type, like, commands to, you know, yeah. to, to get this thing to start. And I, I just, you know, I finally did figure it out. But I was like, I'm not doing this again. The game was crap, by the way, too. You know, yeah. I tried it again. It was like, because back then I had one joystick. Uh, with one button on it. So you can imagine how many things you can do with one button and then just moving left, right, up, down. You know, there's, <laughs> there's not much you can do. But yeah, yeah, those those days, man. Um, the Commodore 64, yeah. Spectrum, I, I remember. Spectrum was actually pretty good, man. They, they had some nice games on it compared to the C64. Well, mine actually was the, the nicer version because it had 128 kilobyte of memory. Yeah, almost sixty-four. Yeah, you were you were you were like the the up. Uh, you were like the bowler all those days, man. You probably had a color TV too. I had a black and white. That just they, they my parents were just like, ah, this is a leftover TV. Play on this. Yeah, I actually did connect to a color TV. You know? yeah. <laughs> so I was uh, very lucky. Now, now to think about that, one hundred twenty-eight kilobyte, they wouldn't be able to hold one picture today. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 so strange. But you know, we still enjoyed it. Like I didn't think anything there was anything wrong with it. Like that was great. I spent a lot of time playing those games. Yeah, yeah. I, I bought one recently, actually, on an auction on eBay in the UK, and yeah. shipped here. It's like perfect condition. I didn't wow. turn it on yet. Uh, I'm not going to use it. I just yeah. just want to remember. So it's like a memory thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah why not? Tom, let's talk about your blogs. You had over 1,500 blogs making money with advertising. How did, did you how did you get into this? Why? And do you still have any? Um, so when I closed down the coffee shop, I took some time off. Um, and, you know, when you browse the web long enough, you start getting into some rabbit holes, right? And one of them was the Warrior Forum back in those days. <laughs> and there was a guy called John X Factor. Um, and he posted this very simple idea, but, you know, simple ideas are often super powerful. Um, he's like, look, what I do is I walk around Walmart and I look at different products and I buy domains that are those product names. Uh, I put five pages of content on them, um, throw a couple links, AdSense, and make money. You know, and, and a lot of people did copy that, but um, what I've realized is that, look, people are lazy. I'm always willing to out-hustle someone and I'm really good at systems. So even if they can produce 10 websites a month, I can probably do a hundred, you know, by putting systems in place and hiring people right away. And that's what I did. Hmm. So within a year or so I had 1500 where, you know, some people were struggling to come up with 30 and it was a numbers game, you know, like um, I don't recommend those type of things to most people because they're side hustles. They're not real businesses, you know, same as when, you know, the 5,000 Kindle books that you were probably going to ask about. Um, it's also a side business. It's not a real business, right? So you can't treat it as. Um, we did invest a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort, but it's all about getting that money out quick 
because it will die at some point. Um, I still have a few authority sites from back those days, and yes, they're still making money. Um, I don't check the income; it just goes into some account. I don't even look at it. But yeah, yeah, you know, most of them died out. We sold some. Um, that business took a lot of hits too, you know, because there was like a mass exodus from um, whatever else was happening at the time into AdSense for a bit. And I think everyone on the web was building these sites. So eventually, you know, Google's like, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, do we really need like a three wooden table.com again, you know, or, <laughs> or whatever else you came up with, you know, like really the, the Dragon Ball Z action figure uh, edition.com, you know, like people were breaking all types of copyrights, trademarks, and just doing whatever they wanted to make money. And the insurance affiliate. Wants- oh, yeah. A lot of it. Yeah. So yeah, we, we played with the affiliate game a little bit too, but you know, it's all, it was just a play, you know, it's all a play. Um, you could make a lot of money back then, you know, um, there were months when we hit 20, 25 K, you know, um, with very little effort, but once again, it's not a business, right? So mm-hmm. often, um, the things that people get most excited about the mainstream, you know, are the things which are not worth that much, you know, uh, $25,000. Yeah. You know, okay. It's, it's good money. Um, but if it's not a business and it's not sustainable, um, like me personally, I don't get excited about it. You know, um, I'm not in it for the money. You know, if I was, uh, I think there's easier ways to, to, to make money than run a business. You know, if you've been running a business for any amount of time, you know how fun that is, right? How many ups and downs and the roller coaster and, you know, and, and I even tell people now, you know, if you've been in business for 15 years plus, you're successful already, no matter how much money you made, just by staying in business, you know, because it's not easy. Yeah. And you're definitely tough if you've been in business 15 years. Cause... And jaded too. You're going to be extremely jaded. Like not much things will touch you. You know, you're, you're going to be close to a psychopath, except without all those tendencies. But you will just be like, whatever. You know, the emotions will be gone. People will be like, yeah, and this happens. Like, yeah, what's new? Yeah. Next. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, on my other podcast, uh, QA Selling Online, I, I get a lot of questions and a lot of people hear these uh, gurus out there saying, uh, quit your job, quit your job today and start working for yourself tomorrow and, you know, make a million bucks by the end of the year. And people ask me, what are the best ways to do that? And I tell them, you know what? Being an entrepreneur is great. Keep your job until your your entrepreneur uh, business is making more than the other one. So I, I actually advise people keep your job as long as you can, because you know you may hate your boss, but at the end of the month, if the money's coming in, you can use that to grow your your side hustle, right, and turn it into a real business. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, similar. Um, I'm. More, more blunt about this. And I, I maybe um, think a little differently in, in very small aspects. Yeah, keep your job, um, but it's best to go into business cold turkey. You know, these are one of these things where everything um, will be in the way. Everything will try to stop you. You know, uh, business is not easy, right? So you can't half-ass this. You can't call it in, right? Like with websites, you can't phone and copy and ads because they won't work. You just can't phone it in. Um, so, and I've done this before because I had a lot of sales jobs. Um, so I'll tell you exactly what I did. Um, I stopped working at my job. 
I showed up just to show up. All my time went into my online hustle. Um, There was a day when they said, Tom, you're going to get fired. So you should quit. So it's not on your resume. And I'm like, well, I'm not planning on getting a job again. So I want to get fired so I can get unemployment so I can work on my business for a little longer. Get a, you know, get that six month, uh, uh, you know, run. And that's exactly what I did. You know, I took advantage of it. You know, they're like, are you looking for a job? I was like, no, I'm looking for clients. I'm looking for clients, you know? Um, so it's a similar thing, right? But I just, um, I, I guess I, I feel you need to be dedicated, right? And, and doing things half-assed, it doesn't really work for me. I don't, you know, that's why I said side hustles, they're fun. But for the most part, I don't um, waste too much time on them. Yeah. yeah. I know exactly what you're saying uh, because I, I did the same thing. And when, when I quit my job and just to take care of the, the businesses that I was already running on the side, and I figured if I run these full time, now I can make this my life. And I developed a lot of experience over the years. And I just did that. And I actually t- took the same option. I uh, got paid for, for a few months and stuff while, while working on it. Yeah, but you know, you got to do what you got to do, right? After a year, though, I realized that working from home, I created my own fancy office and everything. I started losing a bit of focus, though, mm. because I don't have to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, right? I could get up at 9 or 10, and, and then I don't have to go to work right away. I'll go get my coffee and play with the kids. I got three now. So... All the family life that I wanted, I, ha- I have it now. And I had to start building processes and systems to, to get me to focus on what's really important. Right. I, I find it, a bit, I don't know, if somebody doesn't have a lot of self-control, they can get lost by working by themselves or working from home. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but the, but the truth is not all people are made to be business people. You know, it, it's such a sexy thing now, you know, with all the TV shows, The Profit and Before the Apprentice and um, Shark Tank and all of these. Like, it makes it seem like, you know, everyone should start a business. That's completely not true. If you don't have the self-control, you, sh- you are not made for business, you know? The th- two things that you're going to have to figure out as you're, as you're uh, trying to become successful is what are you going to do, which means you need to eliminate everything else and why you're doing it. You know, mm-hmm. in the beginning, the why could be very simple. Like it was for me, like, I just don't want to be broke. But as soon as you make comfortable money, you will need a much stronger why. Because that initial why won't work anymore. Well, I'm not broke. I'm not going to be broke anymore. You know, like we, we get used to what we have. So, you know, but what I find a lot of these gurus saying is like, you got to figure out your why first. And that's not true. You got to figure out your what first. What are you going to do? What is going to make you that money? What path are you going to concentrate on? I had a a really good friend explain it in a different way, you know, about um, staying on a bus, right? Um, Imagine every year of your business as a bus stop, you know, Um, and most people get off at stop three or four and they get on a different bus because they think it's sexier. It's going to make them more money. But then what they quickly realize they're on the same fucking bus again and they get off again at the third and fourth stop. So instead of having 30 years of experience in one thing, they have 10 experiences of three to four years. So once you figure out that path, 
his thing was, and I agree with it, stay on the fucking bus. Just stay on the bus. You know, um, what he did, he, he sold his business. Okay. Mm-hmm. He was on the seventh or eighth stop. He sold his business. Um, it was running perfectly. But, you know, to move it up, he didn't know what to do, which, you know, so he's like, I want to get off the bus. You know what he's doing now? Trying to find a new bus to get on because he's bored as hell, doesn't know what to do. And now he keeps saying, like, I should have just stayed on the bus. I sold a perfect business and everything I'm about to invest in is not even close to what I had. Yeah. I really love that bus analogy. That's that's really nice. And I know that because, you know, an ex-CEO I used to work for, he always said that it takes 10 years to get 10 years experience. Yes. And that's absolutely it. Because when you start something different, you, you, you start again, you start all over again. You never give it time to, to build up. And that's exactly a lot of people's failures are quitting too soon. Just leaving the bus. Yeah. 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 Cause once you find what's working, like dude, you're going to hit difficulties, even on something that's working, you are going to hit difficulties. Um, moving up from a hundred K to a million K, uh, will be a different sort of problems and skills that you need to have moving from a hundred employees to 150 completely different skill set too. You know, you might now have to get a CEO or, or like, you know, you, when you level up, you know, and, and think of that as a bus stop in itself, every level, you know, if you don't want to think about it as yours, um, it's going to take a lot from you to get to the next level, you know, and, and yeah, the best thing is to just say like, yeah, I quit, but you know, that's not how you build something substantial. You know, if you look at Elon Musk, like, dude, can you imagine, like, if you just look through his, just the publicity of the last year, how many times you would have quit or I would have quit hmm. just being in those shoes? Yeah. You know, but he's like, no, no. But that's what it takes to be successful, right? Exactly. So let's jump into this documentary that you, you, you ran the documentary. You did this documentary. Yeah. Were you in it? Um, just at the end. Uh, I didn't make it about me. My businesses were doing really well. Um, I was bored. Um, I had opportunities and a, and a really good network to um, show people what digital nomad life was really like. You know, uh, this was when it was starting to become popular. Like everyone should, you know, quit their jobs, fly overseas, become a digital nomad. I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. I'm not sure if, you know, there's definitely upsides. Um, to having this freedom and, and living wherever you want to be and, and doing what you want. But it's not all fun. So my whole point with the documentary was to take the people that I know who are successful um, and, and they were all around me in that uh, time frame. So it was super easy for me and just find out the realities, right? So if someone is thinking about doing a jump like that, because you got to think, jumping from having a job to doing business is one thing. Jumping from having a job to running a business in a new country, it's a whole different thing, right? You know, it's not all palm and beaches when you try to do that. You know, you're going to spend a lot of your time in a coffee shop behind a laptop. You know, tourists will be looking at you like, what is this idiot doing working? It's beautiful out here. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Yeah. So that, that brought up so many questions about your documentary. And I saw a clip that was, I believe, two and a half minutes long. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And it was not what I expected. It was a lot better than I expected. It's almost like professional quality. Yeah. Documentary. Yeah. How long was it really? The whole thing? Um, 
the whole documentary is about, it's, it's a little less than an hour. Um, it took us two weeks to film and it took about three months to edit. You know, and I, and I appreciate that because, you, you know, what you said, the quality was the main thing that I was aiming for. You know, I wanted to make this very quality. You know, I, I, not like a YouTube video. Like when you watch this documentary, you're like, you know, this is a movie. You I know, thought it was like, like a Netflix. It looked yeah. like a Netflix series. Yeah. Yeah, except on the budget. We didn't have a Netflix budget. I wish we had Netflix back then. I would have went to them with a, you know, um, big suitcase and said, fill it up. I'm making a movie for you boys. <laughs> but <laughs> it, that, that wasn't the case. Um, so I funded it by um, getting a couple people with businesses that needed advertisements for their companies and to pay, uh, pay us to make those for them. And that funded the whole movie. So, you know, I've, I've basically, yeah, I barely invested anything of my own. Like it was paid for, you know, but once again, when you're in business and you're in sales, you, you figure this stuff out, you know. So is this uh, live somewhere now that I could put a link on the show notes? Um, if you go to yourownwayout.com, it's all in there. You can watch the trailer. You can buy the documentary. I think it's only like seven or eight bucks. So it's, you know, it's really, it's like a Starbucks coffee and it's worth much more than that. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's still up there. You know, we, we don't promote it much anymore. Um, but we still get a lot of people asking about it. Yeah, it's it's a good movie. But you know, it was a side project again. So uh, once I'm usually done with my side projects, I move on. Um, but you know, there's there's it's still around. Nice. So then after that, I don't know if it was directly after that or not, but you got into podcasting. You have your own podcast. Actually, you have you currently host three different podcasts. Is that right? Yeah. I do, but I'm focusing on only one right now. Like I've, I've done a lot of elimination this year okay. um, and a smart brand marketing podcast is really my focus. Um, the other ones, yeah, I, I've been, a, actually, I think at one point I was like six, but you know, when you're starting things, you know, you, you do a lot of different um, methods and tactics and then eventually like, you know, this is what you like, this is what you're going to focus on and everything else just gets kind of left behind. And the smart brand marketing is, is actually a pretty big podcast. And you have over a hundred episodes at this point, and, and which is some really great. Was uh, I saw, I heard some of your interviews, and you had JLD, the famous Johnny Dumas, the amazing Ezra Firestone, which I love Ezra Firestone, and the owner of Capitalism.com, Ryan da Daniel Moran, which is he's also a great Amazon seller uh, like me. It, it, these are people that I follow and I really love their content. How did you awesome. get, how did you get like such, I mean, you have over a hundred amazing entrepreneurs on your show. Uh, but how do you get such fantastic guests? You know, if you ask almost anyone that's even semi successful, like what the magic bullet is in making that happen, it's having a network. You know, and, and, and I've put a lot of time and effort into cultivating a network, you know. So now if I launch something, um, all I need to do is message my network and I get a couple sales right away, you know. And, and it, in the beginning when I started the podcast, the point of it, um, and if you listen to the first 20, 30 episodes, and yeah, they still have some big people on because I've, you know, I've done my work before. But the point of it was to actually build my network, you know, and then build a social proof and credibility. You know, because if someone comes to your website and they're looking to buy something, you know, those things we mentioned before, trust and respect, right? 
Yeah. If they see all these people that they're your friends and you talk with them, well, obviously there's some trust and respect there already, you know? So you kind of hit both of those. Um, and then as long as just your offer is good enough, you know, and valuable, it's much easier to sell. You know, people don't question it as much. You get, um, it, it's called pool marketing, basically, right? You pull people in with content and then you pull them even more. They want to be in your world now. Like they want to be a part of whatever you're doing. We get so many messages on the podcast. So people just being like, dude, you just interviewed all my friends. I want to be a part of this too. Which, you know, makes the outreach so much easier because it's, I'm like, this is funny, you know, <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. So if you are going to build influence, it should be with that in mind, you know, just getting the trust and respect, but still I made the same mistake too with this podcast, you know, even though I was making money in other places, so it wasn't as crucial of a mistake. I had nothing to sell in the beginning on the website until this year, I was selling nothing on this website. Everything was on my all other websites. Um, and they were not connected to the podcast. And what that made is I had to prove the trust and the respectability much more. Now it's a whole different game. Um, I don't get as much traffic um, as some people, but it, it converts really, really well. You know, and it's because of the way I uh, structure the offers, the way the, the website leads people through and the podcast, you know. Um, like we have a business now where we market online courses and we just did a show where I interviewed the co-founder of Thinkific, which is one of the biggest platforms. You know how much gold that did for me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, people are like, damn, you just interviewed the co-founder of Thinkific. I'm like, yeah, I know. You know, and they yeah. go through the funnel <laughs> and it's like, but it also opened a lot of doors, right? So, uh, Thinkific allowed me to do a Facebook Live with them. They will allow me to do a um, a webinar or a workshop. They said next year, you know, like these things open doors too, you know, if you do them in the right way. And you've probably seen this too through your podcast. A lot of doors opened up and a lot of um, strategies and, and friendships came from having a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, partnerships that get offered and it's just, it's really great. And I want to touch base on that. Uh, I was about to talk about your new venture, which is you you market online courses for, for other people. And there was something there that I saw that you can also build uh, the online course for somebody. Yeah. And yeah. you actually, you could create it in about 14 hours. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So we pulled information out of you um, through... A bunch of phone calls basically and it, it takes roughly um four to five hours and then the rest of the time is just you recording your content and um, giving feedback on what we do so yeah we, we took this big process and broke it down where you know you're basically like the star you know you're the one that gets handed a towel you go on stage you do your thing you come off we give you feedback and you you know what it's we made it in that way so it's it's a very simple process um, but the bigger challenge than creating a course that I found was the marketing, you know, people come up with great content. Um, they're teachers, they're not business people, you know, um, about 90% of courses don't sell well. And the only reason is there's no one to market them and regular agencies don't know how to handle, um, that type of niche, you know, and, and for a while I thought like, that's so strange, but you know, it is different. It is different trying to get a student in and explaining to them the transformation and, and creating that value and 
um, than selling a jump rope on Amazon or something. For mm-hmm. example, like, you know, if you're doing ads for that or just trying to sell that, it's so different. It's very different. Getting someone to value education is different than getting them um, new leads or SEO rankings, which they can see. You know, it's, it's a very different beast. So I thought, you know, why not bring my focus on that? You know, I can sell anything, but what if I just focus in on that and make it amazing? And, you know, a lot of course creators that come to me, they're like, Tom, thank God, you know, we've dealt with generic agencies and they just lost us money. You know, mm-hmm. they don't know what they're doing. And some of them were just lazy. So it's not just, you know, them not knowing what they're doing. Like I've looked at some campaigns. They took two, $3,000, created a lookalike from some crappy audience in Facebook and just let that run for a month. You know, that's just being straight up lazy. Maybe that works for, uh, for other businesses, but it doesn't work for courses. And, mm-hmm. and even for a B2B business, it doesn't work. Like that's just being so lazy. You know what I mean? I, I don't have as much experience in e-commerce um, selling products, but you know, I've done some and yeah, you can be a little bit lazier. I, I get it, but not that lazy. You know, you know what I love about that idea is that I know a lot of people out there in e-commerce and actually professional Amazon sellers, which is the Amazon FBA and private label communities. And there's some people out there that are amazing, amazing experts, but they don't know how to promote themselves or their course. They have all the knowledge, but they can't get it out there. And then in return, I see the, the person that's been uh, doing this for three months. They have no experience and they launched the course, but they know how to sell their course or for, for whatever reason, if it sells more than this experienced guy that, you know, that, that has been doing that for many years. So these people can come to you and, and tell you, uh, I know how to, I don't know, something. And you, yeah. with their head and their face, you can create their course, right? And, and also market yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So we, we have uh, two different companies. Um, they're basically different departments, you know, because it's a whole different beast creating and marketing. But yeah, yeah, we do that. And, you know, the sad thing is um, that when it comes to money, the course itself is less than 20% of the game. You know, I could get someone to build a course. You know, I would just pay for it up front. And I could make a lot of money from it. And then you have real experts, you know, like I just had a guy come up to me last week. Um, Successful guy, man. He is teaching CEOs a skill. You know, I don't want to say which skill because I don't want to, you know, put them out there, but he's teaching CEOs a skill. He gets paid $8,000, $9,000 per day to teach this skill. He cannot sell one course. Hmm. He's just like, what is happening? He's been doing this for 20, 30 years. You know, and I'm like, I get it. It's a different beast, but it's sad. And then you go on Udemy and you see his competition, like some little kid from Bangladesh, like, you know, with a much better um, SEO and things like that. He's outselling him, you know, and there's nothing against the kid from Bangladesh, but like, dude, you're like 18. This guy's like 40 with 30 years of experience, whatever, you know, or 45. Um, Yeah, it's not right. (laughs) It's just not right. And yeah, it's sad, man. Like, people I think overvalue their knowledge a lot when they, when it comes to online courses, you know, they think like, you know, if I put the best course out there, it's going to sell. No, it won't. Yeah. It could, it could be the best course in the world, you know, but it's like being on the, on the third page of Google, you know, it's like, you know, no one hears a sound, you know, it's, it's, 
it's you know you, you, once you fall on the third page of Google, nobody hears it. Exactly. Uh, I mean, on the second page, it's going to be rare that anybody can find. It's, you. it's rare, but still, you know, you might have one of those lurkers is going to find you and get help. But yeah. on the third page, you're done. You know, and you broke your leg on the third page in the woods. You're done. I tell a lot of people that come to me and they want to start and launch a product and they tell me, uh, I have the best product out there. And I say, well, that, that's important. Having the best product is like having the best uh, content on a course is great. But yeah. if nobody sees it, I can guarantee nobody will buy it, right? You need that's to right. have, you need to, people don't know you exist. You're nobody. Your course is nothing. And your product is nothing. Your brand is nothing until people see it. If they don't see it, they will not buy it. And that's, that's the reality of it, right? You got to. Yeah, least, with products too, man. You got to be good enough. Yeah, you don't need least, to be the best. You just need to be good enough. You need to give me more value with that product and I paid for it. That's it. You know? And yeah, often the best product, it, you know, it still gets outsold, right? Like when you think of um, like VHS, right? Was it VHS and the, the, uh, the other format? VHS won because it was marketed, but the other one was a much better format. You know, this, this happens a lot. The better product often does fail, you know, because the marketing's better at the other point. So yeah, you know, marketing, and the thing like, you probably see that too with the product people, because I see it with online course guys all the time. They don't come from a business experience spectrum, right? So you probably get designers and, you know, engineers, um, and I get teachers and educators, right? Or coaches, and they know zero about marketing. You know, they know how to sell it in person, but they, they know zero about how to actually position this and market and advertise. And with products, same thing, man. Some guy designing um, the best whatever product in the, you know, in his uh, garage shop for the, you know, for a year or two, I think he has no clue how to wear that marketing hat, you know, how mm -hmm. to get the sales out, how to get the eyeballs on it. And that's normal. Sometimes it's just too many hats. Dude, yeah. I've been in this game in the marketing game for over 15 years now, maybe 20 now, you know, cause I had my first store when I was 16, it was a record store and I still don't know everything. You know, how can you expect someone else to come in out of the gate and be like, you know, I'm, and, and the competition's fierce online now too. It's not like back in the days, it's fierce. Yeah, and, and another thing you just touched on, which I already had experience with, is there's, there could be huge companies out there that are making great products and their expertise is actually making that product. Yes. But when it comes to sell it online, it's not as easy as having it at the Walmart shelf. No. Uh, it doesn't no. matter where you are. SEO, uh, for those that don't know, is the search engine optimization. On Amazon, you need that as well because Amazon is a search engine. And uh, there, there was a company here uh, local that they, they produced some um, health products. And I asked them if they wanted me to do, if they wanted to give me distribution and I would sell them on Amazon. And they gave me distribution for Canada. So I could sell them in Canada and they would take care of the States, but they would also sell their own product in Canada. You know, fair enough. So we were both selling on Amazon, me and the manufacturer of this product. So for me to have uh, decent margins, I had, to, I had to pull mine a little bit more expensive than them. And I would outsell them three to one 
for every product they sold on Amazon, I would sell three. I was selling a higher price. And the, the only reason is this the exact same product. It's just that I knew how to sell it and they know how to make it, right? So it was different uh, fields of uh, experience. And um, what ended up happening was that I got, I got the distribution for Canada and they, they actually stopped selling it themselves and they took over the states and they do wholesale to health food um, businesses here, right? But on Amazon, it was just me. That's very similar. You know, the one thing I've been giving a lot of thought lately um, is this whole transfer of what you do in person um, as a sales guy or in a retail store or anything and how do you move that online? Just, you know, I've been, I've been giving that a lot of thought, you know. Um, just by seeing so many bad websites and so many, you know, bad stores, right? Like a lot of them, if you transferred what they're doing online into real life, would be insane. <laughs> you know, like imagine going into um, Bob's Warehouse, who's moving his online presence to the store now, and he's going to take the same tactics. You get into his store and he screams, as soon as you come in, he screams, I'm Bob and I sell hardware goods. And you're just like, what, what just happened, dude? <laughs> And he's like, do you want to go to my about page now? Or do you want to get my free lead magnet? Mm. And he's just like, well, I, I just want to look around. Yeah, give me your phone and your email. Yeah, give me your phone and email. And I'm like, but you don't even know what I'm, I said your phone and your email. And then you hit them with a pop, like exit pop-up, you know, as yeah. they try to leave the store, like yeah. bam. You know, people would not buy anything from you. You know, but that's what most stores look like online. And, and most influencers, you know, they do the same thing. They just scream like, this is what I do. And I'm like, dude, nobody cares. If you, if someone comes into your store, they're looking like, is there anything here that I might want? You know, mm -hmm. but yet everyone's screaming like, this is who I am. This is what I do. And you're just like, what the hell, man? I think this guy's on drugs. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to step out for a minute. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've been giving that a lot of thought, you know, this, this whole transfer. Because it's, I don't, there's a big disconnect. And you see this too, you know, it's just hard to explain sometimes, you know, when we try to break it down. But I think it's important if you're actually doing anything in real life on the phone and you're trying to sell it online, you know, to, to make it as similar of a process as you would in person, because it's the same thing in a way, you know? Yeah. And Tom, about the the courses, since since I have you here and I had the the chance to talk to the expert, how about pre-selling a course? What are your thoughts of that? Before the course is finished, you start the course. Should I finish it right away or start selling it before it's even done? I think you know the, the best way that we um, tell people to do, um, if we get the chance, you know, they haven't created the course yet. It's like, you know, create the idea first, create what the transformation is going to be like. So what does the person look like before the course? How do they look after the course? What happened in between? What did they gain? What is that going to give them? Come create this path. This is what you're selling to the customer, right? This transformation, but you need to put value on top of it, you know, and it's got to be something that they want to do. You know, if you start screaming at people at McDonald's, you know, I'm, I got a new course and I will make you thin in seven days, like 90% of them will be like, I don't want to be thin. I don't want my chicken nuggets. You know, so, so going into this with this idea that, you know, sell what people need is wrong. You know, they, stay, they need to want it, right? Mm -hmm. So for you, a lot of people do want to get on Amazon and be successful, right? So 
I think Amazing Seller, you know, sold that transformation quite well. And there's a couple other ones. Um, you know, we'll get you on. You'll um, have your first product and you'll make this much. And it's going to change your life in this many ways. You know, and people bought that because there was a value on the back end. Like they seen, I invest $1,000. I probably make three or 4K in the first two, three months. Bam, that's definitely valuable to me. Um, and then create the first module. That's it. You know, because if you start getting the sales, you want to be able to show them something, you know. Mm-hmm. But often I would just pre-sell the idea and be like, look, if I get 50 people in and we make this, if not, I give my money, I give your money back and then we try a different idea. You know, maybe I'll position that a little differently because 90% of the whole success is the positioning, right? You got to figure out exactly what you're selling and who you're selling it to, you know, and, and, and a big mistake is trying to sell to everyone. And you know this too. Yeah. You know, I'm going to sell to everyone. That means you will sell to no one because look, if you're selling mindfulness or, or some, something like that to, let's say single moms, right? And single moms are all over it. Look, if a mom with kids and a husband comes across your course and they see it being successful, they might pick it up too. You know, they might. But you can also reach into that market later on. You can now create, now I have an updated or a different version of this mindfulness course for married women with kids, you know, or someone going through a midlife crisis. You can, you can easily change it, but, you know, validate your idea in some, one small market. You know, when you're putting out products on Amazon, and I, you know, I have a lot of friends in that business too, so I, I get it. You know, make one successful first. You know, don't create a line of products and try to market all of them at the same time because you're not Amazon. You know, don't compete with Amazon. You're not even in the same game. You don't even have a ticket to the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just, just create the one thing, see if you can sell it, and then... Take one of the easier options. <laughs> Take the exit. Sell the whole business to someone else and create yeah. a new product. Maybe that's easier. You know, now you have a chunk of money and then you can play around with it more. But if you're building a brand, then you're going to have to reach out slowly. You're going to have to, you know, get that first product selling well um, before you get the second one. Because I don't know how much people realize about Amazon, but my friend, he's making over a million revenue uh, with a couple products and he's broke. You know why? Because his uh, inventory is in three different places. So he's paying three times for the inventory. One's at Amazon, the other one's on the ship, and the third one is in the factory. So he's putting in $250,000 into each one of these inventories, right? And people don't realize, okay, oh, he's making a million dollars. Like, he's, he's barely making anything, you yeah. know? And my experience from the Kindle books and from the AdSense, because, uh, you know, you mentioned the failed podcast. These are not real businesses. Amazon can shut you down at any moment. And now you're stuck with three big pieces of inventory. So, you know, if you are going in this direction, you do need to build a brand, you know, get on Shopify. It's going to be difficult. It's not as easy as selling on Amazon, but you don't have a business on Amazon. It's not a real business because you don't have that control. You know, control is one of the most important things in the world. Whoever controls the list controls the business. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. And to touch on the, the um, your friend that's doing a million dollars, that's absolutely correct. Because <laughs> everybody, everybody thinks, and I used to think that as well, you get to a million dollars in revenue, okay, your life is set and you're fine now. The truth is, you get to a million dollars in revenue, 20% of that is probably profit. 
So you're down to 200 grand. Out of those 200 grand, probably 100% of it is in a sea can somewhere coming from China to the U.S. It's going to take uh, 23 days to cross the ocean. It's going to take 30 days to build that product. So, and then to start selling on Amazon, uh, you have to have hundreds of thousands of money floating, literally floating in the ocean. And uh, I tell people, going from 10 grand to, let's say, a million dollars per year in sales, your problems are going to be exactly the same, but at a bigger scale. You're going to lack yeah. cash flow. You're not going to have cash flow. You're just going to have a bigger lack of cash flow because it's all out there somewhere, right? And yeah, but this is the same problem with a lot of businesses, right? Like, you know, with a service business, um, going from $10,000 a month to $100,000 a month, your fulfillment's going to get 10x bigger too. You know, you got to fulfill whatever you promise now. That brings a lot of challenges too. Trust me, you're not going to sleep any better. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy with $800,000 in Amazon's control and then in China and on the boat, he sleeps way worse now than he did back when he only had 10K. Because now this is a, you know, he's worked his way up to, you know. That, so, but that's business, right? This is what I'm saying. You know, it's, it's not easy. You know, things, uh, things are difficult. And, and having control is huge for me. That's why I do like the online course thing. You know, if you do it right, you can have the control. You can have almost zero fulfillment. You can have maybe recurring revenue, you know, if you, if you pull it off or just a high-end uh, ticket item at the back end. Um, I, I find like it's, it's the closest you can get to a perfect business. But once again, the marketing, you know, uh, every, every business is going to come with challenges, you know, but I, I, I with the Kindle books, um, I lacked control with the Google AdSense. Remember, we did that too. We lacked control, man. Google did whatever they wanted. They can hit us from both ends. Oh, now we're not going to pay you enough. Now we're going to suspend your account. Now we're going to change your rankings. Now we're going to, um, block some advertisers. I'm like, you know, how many things can you hit me with? You know? Yeah. With with the Kindle thing, Amazon was the same thing. Oh, we're going to suspend you about nonsense now. Now we're going to uh, change the rankings on you. Now we're going to uh, change the payouts. They've done that three or four times. Um, you know, now we're going to block you. And, and it was funny too because at a certain income thing with Amazon, they just blocked me. Like I seen it, it was always stopping at a certain amount. No matter how many books we put out. And I was like, this is insane. Like, what is Bezos doing in his little office? Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's the reality. I had zero control. Yeah, you're playing in their, in their play, playground so that they have the rules. They can kick you out anytime they want. It is, yeah. My friend said it best, man. He's like, look, you dance with the devil, you're going to get burnt. At some yeah. point. At some point. So this is what it is, right? And I'm not putting down Amazon businesses in any way. People have made a lot of money. You can still do it right. Um, it just scares me because there's no control and I've been in it. You know, I cut all ties with Amazon a while back and I would never ever for no amount of money in the world go deal with a company like that again, you know, just because I know how they behave. Yeah. It still is one of the quickest ways out there to scale and start a physical product business. But uh, yeah, I, I really love having control as well. Not too long ago. And this is fourth quarter now, fourth quarter sales take off super yeah. crazy mm-hmm. and Amazon turned off one of my listings and they just turned it off and my product is in their warehouse so they were charging me the storage fees for this product and it's a lot oh, of yeah. money and the it went up to a lot 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's monthly now. It used to be every six mm. months. And the product wasn't selling. And it was because they thought there was an infringement in my listing because somebody owned the trademark for my product. And then we ended up finding out one month later, they shut it down for one month. And we found out that my product is five years old, right? And that yeah. product that they thought had the trademark over, over mine was launched two months ago. And yeah, because it's an algorithm thing. We had that with books all the time, man. And when you have 5,000 books, their algorithm goes insane and you spend half your time proving that the copyright is yours. And I'm yeah. just like, well, what did you think? It's, it's mine. We wrote these books. But, you know, it's the same thing. It's these, you know, these stupid things you deal with. And there's just no way to go around it because it's their, you know, that's their game you're playing. So, yeah, I don't know. But once again, you know, you can still make money in a lot of these things. I just like to have control. Um, so I, you know, I would rather tackle building a real business I control that's much tougher to build, um, but it's going to last longer than playing these games anymore. But, you know, I played them. So look, if you're in your 20s, like knock yourself out, you know, yeah. go after all these crazy opportunities, work 20 hours a day, um, you know, make your quick money and then figure out like, what is it I want to do? Tom, this, I mean, there's so much I want to ask you, but I also, I got to be respectful of your time. <laughs> and um, before you go, before I let you go, tell everybody where they can find you in case they have, uh, they want to get their own course. They want you to market their course, or if they even want to hear you, uh, do some hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, just go to smartbrandmarketing.com. That will lead you to everything. Um, the other websites, um, we create onlinecourses.com. We market onlinecourses.com. As you see, I'm not being fancy with the words. Like they, they say exactly what they're going to do. Uh, and yeah, you can, you can reach out to me. I'm, I'm, I'm easy to reach out to. Um, I'm willing to help, you know. Um, don't come, you know, with, with crazy ideas. You know, I, I, I had a lady saying I have no budget, but I want to make $50,000 with a course I haven't made next month. I was like, oh, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. <laughs> but other than that, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Very good. Thank you so much, Tom. Man, this, uh, we got to do this again because there's so much that was left out. And <laughs> Anytime, man. I'm, I'm down for it. Awesome. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for giving us your time and your knowledge. And all the best to you. Yep. Thank you.